Hey everyone, welcome back to TED Talks Being Better. Now, I have a property guy, um, well, multiple business person on my podcast today. And as you know, I've transitioned from property into a multitude of things, but I've been meaning to get, I'm not say his name yet, this gentleman on my podcast for a very long time, but it just hasn't happened. And even though I'm not really doing property stuff anymore, I want him on because there's so much we're going to talk about. So a little bit of it will be property, and then the rest of it is going to be fun stuff, getting to know him a little bit better because, you know, he's got 100, 200, 300 hours probably of free property content out there. Together, we've got hundreds and hundreds of hours. So I'm pleased to welcome Steve Hamilton. Welcome to the Test Talks podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I, um, yeah, we've been meaning to do this for a while. Yes. I probably didn't tell you, but since you sort of first came on the scene, I thought, yeah, this guy. I like the audiovisual quality. I like how honest you are, how you're not afraid to share your opinion on a multitude of things. And this is going to sound weird, right? But you actually do what you're supposed to do, as, as, right? Like, yeah. As a property developer, you actually buy houses. I actually do buy, yes. You actually buy houses. Uh, I develop. You develop as well. I rent. You rent. I sell. You sell, you build. Do, you do big things, you do small things. Yes. You do all sorts. And big deals only, small deals only. Small de- every deal only. A lot of controversy with There's that a one. A lot of controversy. We're going to talk about that. But you actually do what you say you do. Now, this, that's really weird, isn't it? Yeah, I'm probably one of the only educators in the UK that actually practices what I teach. To be fair. Yep. Yes. And that's not I a agree. dig at anybody. Um, but it's, it's visible, though, right? Yes. Like you can see when people are saying, here's how you buy houses, and you can hear when you say, I just bought a house. Yep. Look what we're doing. It's like every time I see your story, I'm like, which house, which house is that again? I was yeah. like, What's he doing? It's just like every single week you're getting keys. Every single month you're buying houses. And that for me was like the biggest reason I wanted you on here. Because yep. you educate, but you do what you say you do. So when you educate, you can actually do it correctly. Yeah, well, that's the whole point of educating, isn't it? You're supposed to, you're supposed to know what so. you're talking about. You'd hope so. Yeah. Now, there's... you have... Because we're going to talk about education. You have a motto or a virtue, which is be kind, right? Yeah. Very simple. Simple, elegant. And I think it, it means what it means. What does it mean to you and why is it your, your motto? Why is it your phrase? So where we're from, um, council estates, communities are together. So being nice, being kind is something that is, is real. So when my mum didn't have any sugar, milk, bread... Somebody in the community would give us some bits and pieces and then obviously you replace it. It's how it works. And being nice, being kind is something that my mom implemented in me from very young. She was like, Steve, no matter what you do when you get older, every single person you come into contact with, be nice. Don't be a dick, basically. And just, it will pay off eventually. And if someone's not nice to you, just walk away. There's no drama. You don't need to have an argument with people. So as I got older and I grew up, I realised it costs nothing to actually be nice to somebody. And I am nice to everybody. You've been around me a lot. Yeah. My manners are on point. Yeah. I treat every single person the same. Um, so yeah, it's just something that I believe every single person should do because it costs absolutely shit. So just do it. And it's interesting because, yeah, I was going to say I've been around you a lot and I have seen it. And, you know, the amount of DMs you must get, and I know you reply to them all, I know that, you know, everyone I speak to is positive. Like, there's never someone who says, oh, he was a dick to me, or he's really rude, or he ignored me. It's like, you actually are this. And again, I sound shocked, right? Because most people in the industry are 
you know, I'm not. Yeah. It's one thing on social media. It's one thing if you're a potential client, if you've got money, if you've got this, and everyone else is sort of here. So I really like that because it's simple, but it's actually acted on. And, you know, being kind, has it... Because, you know, there's this thing people say, oh, nice guys finish last. Oh, nice guys finish first. Yeah. Has being kind ever gone wrong or had a negative sort of result for you? Yeah, a lot of times... Um... Everybody remembers the last thing you did. That's the problem. So if I respond to a person's DMs or a person asks me a question, obviously you can imagine my DMs are, can I have some help? Yep. Can I have some advice? Now, yes, I do property education, and 99% of the property educators in the UK will say, buy my course, sign up to this, and I'll answer that question, or you can learn it in this. I just respond, um, and I respond multiple times to certain people and then the one time that I forget to respond, or the one time I miss it, or the one time I'm busy, then I get a message back saying, like, question marks, question marks, question marks, or what are you ignoring me for, or something like that. And I'm like, I'm actually not, I'm just busy. <laughs> doing um, what you're doing, yeah. So yeah, so it does have um, a detrimental effect sometimes, but nothing major. Yeah. Um, there's nothing big. I think the, the, any negative effect of being kind is going to be nowhere near as bad as an effect of being rude, or yep. being mean. And it's interesting, this question mark thing, because like, I often find that people feel, because we're in the public eye, we're doing stuff, we, we say we help, they feel very, not everyone, entitled. but a lot of people, yeah, feel very entitled yep. to your time. And you're running multiple businesses, which we'll speak about, you're doing multiple things, you're on camera most of the time, you have, and you got, just had a baby, you're very, very busy. How do you balance you know, their entitlement or sense of ownership of your time with your time being your time for your stuff and your family? Yeah. So it's a great question, actually, because I don't. I actually just make it work. Um, even if I wake at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, I'll just go through my DMs and I'll just reply. But the one thing I will say about what I do, when people genuinely see that I speak... So if you, know, if you call my company... There's a very good chance that I'll answer the phone at some point in the day um, if I'm around. And if somebody asks for a callback, I make the callback. So it actually has an unbelievable effect because people are like, well, I want to be part of whatever he's doing. Because if that's what he does when I've not signed up to something or not done anything, what's it like when I am with them? And yeah, so I find it has a, a really good effect. And I, I, like, I like the way, the way it's worked out for me, basically. That's, that's so interesting because for me, it's always a battle of, you know, are you crossing the line of trying to steal someone's time, like people asking questions and not respecting that they're doing things, but also you're giving them that personal level, which let's be honest, no one else really does Yeah. because they don't want to, they can't, whatever the reason is. So it's really interesting and it works in your favor. Although it's time consuming, it obviously generates yeah. income, it generates brand awareness, it generates everyone knows who you are, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of the time when we're speaking, a lot of people know you, you know, like you with the, um, with the carpet you were telling me. People know you, and that's because of your brand. Now, yeah. before, you know, you had this amazing brand, which is continuing to be built and is going to continue, a lot of people will look at you and say, you know, and this is an excuse from a lot of people, oh, he's got all this money, he's got all the cars, he's, he's doing this, he's buying this. He, you know, how do I get to that level how do I dream big yep. to get to your level so before you got into property and, and you touched on this at the, at the 5D event when you took us through your background but for people who don't know because I think a lot of people don't know what were you doing before property and then what got you into it 
So, growing up, um, left school at 15 years old, didn't really have a clue. Um, moved around, you know, stayed at my nan's house, back and forth between my nan and my mom's house. Um, all the way up until I was about 23 years old, nothing. Um, just chilling. Benefits. Yeah, um, Just nothing, didn't know what I wanted to do. Surviving, I think the word is the best way. Did you have a role it. model, friend, parent, family, no. someone then? It was... No, no. Um, every single person around me at that point was negative. Everyone, everyone's glass is half full. Um, always drama. Always, there's always something going on. And my mum passed away when I was 23. That was a massive eye-opener for me because now I'm on my own. Like, now I'm like, whoa, okay, so what am I going to do? And then I got an opportunity to work with um, a person in the jewellery quarter in Birmingham. And he basically, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be here today. Not as in, I wouldn't be here today alive. I wouldn't be in this position I'm in. Because this guy gave me an opportunity when nobody else would give me an opportunity. Because I wasn't, there was nothing, I had no qualifications. I didn't have a skill set or I thought I didn't have a skill set. He spotted that I did have a skill and he took me on board with him and his company because he knew that people liked me and he spotted it for months of seeing me around and he was like, everybody likes you. Why does everybody come around you? And I was like, just because I'm, I just, I'm just a nice person. Um, so yeah, so I got an opportunity to work as someone's kind of intern um, and I did four or five years where I ended up taking over the company. And like that? Okay. And why... Why did he give you an opportunity? I appreciate he saw something in you, but he didn't have to. He no. could go on uh, Indeed and find an intern with all these degrees, all these qualifications. Yep. Why, have you ever asked him, why yeah. me? What did you... Yeah, so I brought him into my offices about six months ago to meet all the team, Amazing. that person. Um, he actually came down to my offices, because you're obviously in a different office here. Yeah. We was in my, my Colmore Row one. And the reason he gave me an opportunity was because he was me. 10, 15 years earlier. Interesting. So he gave me an opportunity. And I nearly turned down the opportunity as well. And were you looking for something at the time? No. You were... no. So then whilst you were chilling on benefits, which in this country, especially now, is very easy to live that life. It's very yep. easy to get benefits and you know, do your thing. So you get paid more than working sometimes. Why did you take the opportunity? Because I always knew that if I was around the right people, he drove a Bentley. He wore a suit at the time, which to me was like top tier mm. um, now I realise that you can wear a tracksuit and be way more <laughs> successful than a person in a suit but at the time I didn't know um, and it was just you know I go on you know my whole brand is built on number 11 mm-hmm. okay my son's middle name is 11 everything is based on what I feel vibes signs I just knew it was the right thing to do and then you said you took over the company yes how did that happen? Well, he left me in charge, basically, after two years, um, because he realised that I could run it better than him. And okay. all the staff members and everybody in there was just basically like, well, we like you better than him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so he ended up moving to Spain, and he spent six months there, six months here, and I basically took over the whole company, and that's where I made my first amount of money to buy a property. But again, I had no clue, no knowledge, didn't have any idea what the property world was. And like I always say, I did it all backwards to start with. 
and you kind of answer my next question there because a lot of people are going to see you and say, okay, I get now how you're doing it, but how you did it then was through that. And 11, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Uh, what, what's the significance of 11? So I am a person that has, um, I think my intuition is pretty good. I'm a very good judge of character. I can read people. I can understand situations. If I walk in a room, I know what's going on, basically. So number 11 has been popping up in my life forever, forever and a day. And I actually, I don't believe in a certain religion. I don't believe in a certain religion. Um, I do believe there is something, but I don't know what. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, my, my background is I'm half Indian, half Irish. So brought up Catholic. Um, so that's very strict. Mm-hmm. My granddad um, was very strict with it. And I went to a Catholic school. So once I left school, it completely faded then. didn't have anything to do with religion or anything like that. So I'm not a massive believer in a certain religion or anything like that. I just believe there's something there. But like I said, I kept seeing 11 and I kept seeing things. And then every single time I pictured or imagined anything in my life, it keeps coming true and it kept coming true. So 11 has just been around me forever and it's something that we've adapted into my life. I own all the 11 number plates. Um, all my companies are called 11. Um, and like I said, my son's middle name's 11. So yeah, it's just a big part of my life. Interesting. So would you say you're a spiritual person? To, be, to, to some effect, 100%. So not a lot of people know this. Um, I was a naughty shit growing up. Um, <laughs> from the age of 16 to 23, I was just, just, just a naughty, naughty, naughty human being. Um, and I, don't, I remember having a conversation with a family member. Um, I was in hospital, actually, and my auntie was sitting in, 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 the, in the chair next to me. Uh, my mom's sister, and I'd woken up, uh, I'd been, I think I'd had an operation or something, and I'd woken up, and she was sitting next to me, and I was in really bad pain, and she looked at me, and she was like, are you okay, Stephen? I was like, I'm in really bad pain, and she said something, um, and I had a kidney disease, um, or, I, or a kidney disease, yeah, we won't go too deep into it, but um, I was very lucky, very fortunate, and um, she said something to me. I said, I'm in really bad pain. And they can't... This kidney disease that I have, they don't know how it came on. You can't... There's no answer to how you get it. Okay? Um, and I said to my auntie, I said, um, I can't believe this. I'm in agony. I nearly died. And she went, well, do you ever think it's maybe because of all the bad stuff you did as you was growing up? And I looked at her and I was like... <laughs> That makes complete sense. So I have a tattoo on my arm. Um, It's a pentagram, which is apparently the sign of the devil. And then on my shoulder, I have a cross and the sign of Jesus. And everybody says to me, how come you've got the two? And they literally was done a month apart. And I was like, because I've got a chance now. If I go down, I can be like... I'm on your side. <laughs> and if I go up, I'm like, I'm on your side. Yeah, you're a bet. I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love that. Um, so yes, I genuinely do think that I am a spiritualist, yeah. I like that. So when, if you see Jesus, it's, hey Jesus. If you see Lucifer, it's, hey dude. Yeah. I like yeah. it. But I'm hoping to God now that I am going that way because yeah. I have turned my life around and I'm a completely 
different person from what I was when I was a when I was a youngster. So then, considering that, and then considering what the guy saw in you, and your motto, and your EQ, your emotional intelligence, because that's what gives you the ability to be liked and be likable, and you know, command a room and and talk to people. It's your emotional intelligence. What do you think formed that? Because you didn't have a role model. You had a tough upbringing. You were a little shit as well. So add it all together. Where does that, you know, how did you develop that emotional intelligence? Um, my mom, definitely. Um, she was, she was awesome. So she died, like I said, when I was 23. Up until she died, I still couldn't swear in front of her. No, but I mean, I want about even just like shit. She'd whack me around the back of the head um, if I didn't hold the door open for somebody. Um, my mom was an emotional person. My mom used to cry. Um, she used to laugh. She used to fight. Um, so I think my emotions I come from my mom. Plus my family in general. Um, my mom's side of my family are all emotional people. Um, I don't see any of them anymore, really, because I've cut all of them out of my life a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I think it comes from my, my mum's side of the family. Mum wasn't scared to cry, which... In front of you as a child? Yeah, a she child. wasn't scared to cry. Like, I don't cry. Um, it's very rare. Cried at the birth of my son. Of course. Um, I cry every time I see him now, which is weird. <laughs> but I didn't cry before. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I had no emotion. Um, and Isabella used to say to me, it's okay to be upset. And I used to be like, no, no, it's not. It's not. But... And where does that come from then? Because if your mum's really emotional and she's yeah. crying in front of you, which I think most parents, they don't necessarily hide their emotions, but extreme emotions like crying, they will try and keep from the kids yep. so they don't get worried about them. Where, where does that come from then? I don't I'm know. Not, not sure. I don't know. Probably because I've hardened up and I've realised life's not fair. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. I, um, life isn't fair. Yeah. We all have a story. We all yeah. have hardship. We all go through bad times. I can sit and cry and mope. Or I can do what I need to do to make it better so it doesn't happen to anybody else around me, like my Isabella or my son. So, yeah, so I think it's just, I just, I have no time to cry anymore. I don't have time, especially in business and stuff like that or in life. Like I said, the only time I'm finding myself crying at the minute is when I look at my son (laughs) and and his son comes on in the background of the TV and I'm (laughs) staring at him and he's staring at me and I'm like, I just get all teary. I did it two nights ago in the kitchen. Isabella was, um, I think she was sterilising his bottles and I was walking around and I was talking to him and I was actually saying, because I talk to him all the time and all I ever say to him is, you've got to dream big, you've got to dream big, you're here to change the world. And I always, always talk to him and he was just staring at me and it made me cry. And I went over to Isabella and, and she was like, I like this. Um, so, so, yeah. I, I think, can see it on your face now. It's different, yeah. right? When you're talking about property, when you're talking about your son and, and of course it should be, right? Yeah. And then how has having a son, having a baby, how has it, or if it has, has it changed you? Has yeah. it changed you both? Yeah, it's changed me completely. Oh, it's unbelievable. You don't know until you have one. I hear um, this all the time, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know. But life now is just to make sure that... It, my life was always to make sure Isabella was okay. Yeah. And Isabella will always be okay because she's a genius. And you know her personally. Um, <clears throat> the world don't know Isabella. She's not on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's never come out. If she come onto social media genuinely, and showed what she owns, there'd be nobody left in the property industry on social media as a woman. Like, genuinely, there wouldn't. She'd blow every bloke out of the water. Every single woman who's in property would just be like, oh my God, I'm in awe of her. But she doesn't do it. So she will always be okay. But my whole job in life was to make sure she is okay. 
But then as soon as the little one come along, it was like, right, I've got two people now. Yep. And I don't want him to get to 16 years old and have a worry. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone says, oh, don't spoil your children. Don't um, make sure you bring them up with the right morals and the right ethics. Well, crews will be brought up exactly how I was brought up with your P's and Q's and, mm-hmm. you know, all the bits and pieces you need. But you best fucking believe on his 17th birthday there will be a Ferrari on the drive <laughs> if we're still, unless we've got flying saucers or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, It'd be what, an electric Ferrari. I'd yeah. Probably but then. whatever he wants, he will have. And everyone's going to say, oh, Steve, that's, that's not the way to do it. As long as he's brought up correctly and he knows how to say please and thank you and he treats every single person with respect, he can have anything he wants. Because it's not their business. It's your child. No. Your if he's a little shit... <laughs> There's a whole different ball game then. He ain't having... It won't happen. Mm. But he will never be a little shit because we're not going to bring him up to have that in him. The yeah. second I see him treating somebody with disrespect, he's being told instantly. Yeah, the yeah, second yeah. he stops saying please and thank you, he'll be told. So I don't see how a child can grow up to be a little shit if you've done it correctly. Of course, yeah. It's, it's on YouTube, right? It's, yep. it's the parents who decide that. And I think also, obviously, Isabella's you know, your partner... And your child is, a, is literally a genetic mixture of you both. So when you look at that, you see the other thing that you love most in the world, and in one, so I totally get that it changes your view and it. And people say it makes you realise what life is about or what you're living for. Was yeah. That kind of realisation as well, right? Yeah, so I like nice things. Um, I like cars. I like watches. I like homes. Um, I don't really need any more than what I've got now um, because I want to build up like he's got his own company yeah. um, he's onto his second house already he's eight and a half weeks old I want to build up him to make sure he's protected yeah. so it does don't get me wrong I still want to have a new car which I'm sure I mean you just literally got one yes but <laughs> I don't like need three anymore or four or five or six of them yeah um, you don't need it but you still will because it's fine and you enjoy yeah, them why but not? I probably like, just won't like if I'm going to spend some money on a new car now I think right listen I don't really need that one I'll buy a house for cruise so that is another wow. way that it's made me That's see things a big difference but I'm also going to still want nice things it's like everybody says oh I don't need anything now I've got a child I still want shit um, and I still will get what I want <laughs> But just in moderation now, because at the same time, I can think well, I can build his future as well. And your desire for nice things, we all, we all like nice things, right? Does, because you have a lot of nice things, and of course you need money to, to get them, and we'll talk about how you make that money. Does that stem from growing up and not having nice things? Is it as easy as that in terms of yeah. you, had, you didn't have a lot, and now you can, you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm having it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. People in this country are too ashamed to say that they want money. Um, Everybody's like, I want to help people. Steve, I really want you to, to mentor me. Steve, I really want to join the property circle because I want to get the knowledge and the education and I want to learn from you because you are where I want to be. But I want to be able to do what you do, you know, give back and, and you know, be nice, be kind. And sometimes I look at people and I'm like, stop talking shit. You want money, but you're just too ashamed to say it. And then they go, yeah, yeah, we did. And then whisper it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, get comfortable with saying, I want money. Um, because you can't help anybody in this world if you can't help yourself. And you can't so, help people without money. No. You can help with your time, but then but that that's still your money. costs. Yeah, it's it still costs. Because yeah. you've got to go and get a job to pay your bills. And your time that you're taking off could, could make your life and family lives easier. Um, so, yes, yeah, so growing up, it was literally like, I saw a nice car 
I want a nice car. There's a, there's a, there's a, um, there was a garage opposite my mom's house. Um, it was called Motorates. It is now my brother-in-law and best friend's shop. Nice. Um, he's doing amazingly well. TLC bargains. TLC bargains, guys. Give Big them up. a follow. Um, and the guy who owned Motorades when I was growing up had a number plate on his car. It was a BMW, and the number plate was MAB, and then three numbers. And underneath it, he had Michael Andrew Bennett. It was his name. Never seen this in my entire life. And I used to walk past it, and I, when he came out this one day, I was like, is your name Michael? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's amazing, that number plate on that car. Like, you've got your name on a car? And all my friends who I was hanging around with at the time was like, why is, what, like, what is that about? It was 14, 15. I was like, that car's got his name on it. It's amazing. His initials, that, yeah. it's amazing. So, yeah, so growing up, I was just like, right, I need a car with my name on it. Um, and, yeah, that's all it was. I just wanted nice things. And on that topic then of, you know, balancing the money with actually helping people, if someone sticks it back on you and says, hold on a minute, Steve, but you're helping people, you're, you know, a lot of this, it's all free, this content out there, and even your um, property circle is not what I would class expensive in any way. How, do you, how does it work then with you making money and helping people? How do you balance that? I have a lot of money, so I am able to help. I mean, we did a seminar on Saturday, mm. and we gave a car away. Um, I saw that, that was nuts. Yeah, so this is, this is the crazy part, part about it. We have no sponsors. Yep. The property circle has no sponsors. Any event we've ever done, we've never had a sponsor. Me and Isabella fund it, and then most of our seminars are free. Oh, they're so cheap, I look at it and think, yeah. this, is, this is such good value. Yeah, so we bought a car for £6,000. Six grand this fiesta was. Madness. I got, the newspapers picked it up, put saw, it in the newspapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The message I was getting was, second-hand car, giving a second-hand car away, look at him pretending to be like this big shot and he's giving a second-hand car away. <laughs> Like what are you doing, pounds. Right. What is pounds. So a woman won it. Um, and the way that we gave the car away was no gimmicks, no sign-ups, no tickets. Tell a story to the audience at the seminar. The audience will decide who wins the car. Cool. She saved someone's life that week. One of her colleagues had passed out and um, they had to give mouth-to-mouth a defibrillator. They had to do multiple things. And he survived. So the two people that was on the stage was a young man and a woman. She told her story, and I was like, I turned to the young man, and I was like, this is a big job to, to get the audience to, to, to turn with you. And he literally said, I'm going to give the car, I don't want to tell my story. She deserves it. Now his story was, he wanted to win the car because... He was selling his personal car that he had to pay off his credit card debt, okay? But he literally decided, I don't even want to tell my story. I'm just going to give the car to this woman because she deserves it. So I paid off the credit card debt as well on stage there and then, £3,712. I'm able to do that and give a car away for six grand and pay the person's credit card off debt because I work hard and... Everyone says, oh, you gave 10 grand away. You gave 10 grand away. Well, I'm going to earn the 10 grand this week because I'll put my mind to it just to get it back. Yeah, that, that's an interesting... I, I like that. I think you summarised it in that first line, which was, I have enough money. Like, you have enough money to be able to help people, so therefore... I'm not saying I'm can. rich, but I have a lot of money that 
it pays my bills, all my bills are paid, all my overheads are covered, my life's secured for the next 25 years, I'm able to do it. Mm. If I wasn't able to do it, well, I wouldn't do it. So, you know, money is the reason I'm able to be nice and be kind and give back yeah, as that, well. That's an interesting way of putting it, actually. I think you can obviously be kind without money. Yeah. You, you can obviously help, but in this instance, it makes sense. Now, people, Sorry to interrupt you. Okay. Being kind without money is very difficult for a lot of people. Because when you have no money and you're struggling in life, your emotions are different. So you might see a situation where you can be kind, Mm. but because your mind's not thinking like that because you're stressed about not having any money, you might overlook that site where you can be kind. But you know when you have money and your life's okay and you're going down the street and you're walking to work and you're doing things and your brain is a little bit more clear, you spot something and you go, I can help there. Yeah. So again... I genuinely believe it comes with money because money makes people relaxed. Yes. Your, your brain's clear out. It's like the sun. We wake up in the morning, it's raining. You, you automatically are like, oh, yep. oh got to go to work, got to do this, got to do that. The sun's shining. Different. You, you sing to your car. <laughs> open your car, you open the windows, you know, you've got lovely... They're like, I like him. But if you just look at it from the picture of a young lad with tattoos in a tracksuit, buying a Ferrari, don't want to know who that is. But if you watch the story, you'll be like, okay, let's see a little bit more about him because he seems like he's okay. And to be fair, you do attract the right ones. At your events, I've never met anyone who I think, weirdo, um, apart from Lulu, obviously, super, yeah. just... Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I haven't really met anyone where I'm like, bad vibes. Everyone just comes with the right kind of attitude. Which is really nice yep. because you don't get that at every event. And I think it's, it's just your, it, it's your content. You yeah. have a filter without realising it that attracts certain people to certain events. Events, networking events, my networking events, especially my networking events, are diverse. Mm, so I have every colour, yep. male and female, literally a 50-50 split to an extent. Um, and anybody... No matter what level of property you are at, you can come to my event. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. no problem. There's networking events out there where it's invitation only. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I see them. There's, there's a number of them. Um, you've probably attended a few of them. I have. Um, and I look and I watch, the, I watch it and I look at it and I'm like, do you class yourself as a property networking event? Well, I know 80% of your invitations don't do fuck all in the property world apart from posts on Instagram. How's that a property networking event? It's not. It's not a networking event. A networking event is to inspire, to motivate, and connect people together. Not to show off who's got more Instagram followers than anybody else. Because you're supposed to be, when you've got, um, you've got a platform like we have now, my job with my platform right now is to inspire and motivate and help people progress. Mm-hmm. That's my job. So when I have networking events... I do it to inspire, motivate, and help people progress. There's never a sales tactic. I've never done an event where I've said, join the circle, ever. You've been to most of them. Yeah, yeah. I never, ever, never, ever push sales. I don't talk. If someone comes over to me and says, Steve, I want to join the circle, I'll, wait. I'll be like, wait till you go home, you'll receive an email from the team. That's it. I don't even have the conversations. So networking events, everybody out there should be attending networking events, but you've got to make sure you attend the right ones. Yeah. Because like you said, a lot of egos in some of them. And whoever's got an ego, you don't really want to be around. 
because there's no room for it. You're not going to grow with someone who's got an ego. No, no, no. You need to go to somebody who's going to ask, answer a question for you, tell you who to speak to and put you in the right direction, not to be told, you know, I'm better than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a lot of networking events out there. And you know, but I, I totally get why people do invite-only events and I get why you do open events. And... You know, I get the kind of pros and cons of both, and I get what you're saying about... If you're going to do an invite-only networking event, if you are going... If you're claiming to be in property and you're going to do an invite-only networking event, fucking invite people who do property. I get what you're saying. Don't fucking invite people who are just full of shit and everyone watches them and you're like, oh, I can't go to that event, but they don't do anything. But this is the problem, I suppose, with social media and with how easy it is to fool people. Yep. Because it's very easy, and I've seen this look countless times, to see someone and say, okay, let me check your company's house. And company's house really only shows what we want it to show. Yes, if you're a big player, it's evident. But if you're anywhere below a big player, it's pretty difficult. And it takes, you know, every year that they get updated, it's pretty difficult to see that. And of course, the classic, which some of our um, people we know will always say, is it's all in my personal name. It makes no sense for... Their tax reasons. But anyways, it's very difficult to verify people, right? And so social media becomes your CV. It becomes your, okay, if, you're, if you've got followers, people are engaged with you, it adds that social proof, right? So it's very, very so, difficult. Yeah, because people don't want to look. They just want to look at the last five posts. Yeah. Um, it's the recency effect, like you said. It's what, you're only as good as your last race. You're only yeah. as good as your last post. Yeah. And, and that's what it is. And if, and if, if 100 people... Like, if you stood out on the road there and 100 people just stood around you, like, like just chatting to you, everyone driving past would be like, oh, who's that celebrity? If you were there with one person, I don't give a shit. Yeah. That's social media. Yeah. You're there with the 100 people, that, okay, that must be someone famous. You've been co-signed. Yeah. So it's so difficult to actually verify people, right? And mm-hmm. at the same time, like, it works. If you've got X many followers and you're at an event, you're on someone's podcast, I see it all the time with bad interviewers and bad interviewees. It's just there for numbers. Like, I won't, and I know you're the same, you won't interview anyone who's dead. Again, I'm going on a rant here. Again, so what you've just said, you wanted to do a podcast today and you said, Steve, can I come down? I'm in Birmingham, can I do a podcast? I was like, yeah, cool, no problem. Come to us, we'll do it here. Accommodate you. Um, and I was like, well, I might as well do a podcast with you while you're here because <laughs> yeah. you're speaking on stage and it's, you're going to be the first one on my dream big podcast for my new thing. So you do that. So I have a whole question list that has been put together for you, like you have for me. These podcasts that I see, they have four, five, six people on in one day, okay? Now, I understand some people say, I'll rent a studio, blah de blah de blah I've been on podcasts, you know, where they've had four, five, six people on in one day. They don't know fuck all about me. Oh, trust they me. don't know nothing at all. And then I've sat and watched them with the next one. They don't know jack shit about the next person. They are just there to cut it for reels and yep, TikTok yeah, yeah. and build. You're never going to get anywhere because if the, the people at home can spot that you have no interaction with that person. You don't know what you're talking about. Your question has led off to another question because you don't know that person. You've not done your research. I don't like them podcasts. If you're going to do a podcast, you want to show the people at home, I have some kind of knowledge on that person and they're going to bring something to the table I believe or they're going to cause some sort of controversy because that's what people like I don't like these podcasts where they do four, five, six people a day because I don't believe that you're actually giving your best Um, and that's why when I did my podcast last year 
I had six or seven people on that I really I have people on who I like I'll be honest with you because yeah. you know if I don't like somebody the hell do I want to spend them, yeah. my time around them um, and I, the guests that I've got coming on this Dream Big podcast I've got Kazzy yeah, I've got awesome. Charlotte I've got Andrew um, Jason Patterson will be on every single podcast I ever yeah, do yeah, forever yeah. because he's, he's, he's one of the real people mm-hmm. but I've also got people outside of property now business and oh, awesome. branding and stuff like that but the people I've got on I've researched yep I follow, I watch. So when I'm having a conversation with them, I can revert back to certain things that I know they've done over the last two, three years because I've watched them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're the kind of people whose podcast you should be watching as well because the ones where it's just a numbers game, you're not gaining anything because they're not asking the right questions. But they're gaining social clout, yep. which is gaining followers, which is gaining social influence, which is making the money. Because yep. when you sell something with X many followers, it works. So this long form content will get way less views it will drop as it does compared to the reels that we're going to make. Even these reels won't get the same engagement as if you said some, you know, crazy shit. shit. Yeah, like yeah. he's the worst educator in the UK. Yeah, that's a good clip. I'm going to clip that. I know Just you are, and that. you're going to cause World War Three for me. <laughs> um, and I wasn't. Feel in the comments below. Who do you think it is? Yes, <laughs> I won't do that because there's a lot of people out there who like to sue, which is fine, um, and that's fine. So I won't say anything. Um, your drive is incredible, right? You are nonstop. All the time, you have this motto, sleep faster. Yep. Now, when, when is enough enough? And when are you going to be satisfied? Never. Never. No, nothing. You can't give me any amount of money to stop. It's not going to happen. Because um, I know somebody who retired at 52 years old. Multi-millionaire. Ferrari in the garage. Big house. House abroad. Enough money now to live his kids' lives, kids' lives, kids' lives, kids' lives. He retired at 52. He had an aneurysm, which is what my mom died of as well. Um, but he had an aneurysm um, six months after he retired. And he survived. Come back. Completely normal. Um, no side effects whatsoever. And he said he believes he had an aneurysm because he stopped. And his brain was like a bicep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you train it, it's always, it's always there. When he stopped using his brain, he felt like his muscle, and that's why he had it. And that has put the fear of God into me ever since I heard that story. Now, whatever science is behind that, I don't know. But common sense tells me that's true. Because his brain's not working, to the extent it was. But But when he was on, when he was working, we're talking on, like me. But what about, the, what about the other side of that? So he potentially had an issue because of lack of work, which is very common, mental health issues, lots of issues that can happen when you stop, especially at a fairly young age. But there's also the other side, which is when you work too much, you get burnt out, you have many, many health issues then. Of course, yeah. So, what, so what's, you're scared of that, but what about that? I'm not scared of that side um, because I love my job. I love my life. And when I find myself getting stressed, I just literally sit back and go, What's the answer? Simple. What's the answer? Okay, the answer usually is more money. (laughs) That's usually the answer. So that's why I work so hard. So when I do have a problem, and one of the developments is going south, because we found something, the foundations are wrong, or, you know, we plan to do this, and the the council have said we can only do that. Well, what's the answer? I'm not interested in the drama. I'm not interested yep. in a problem. I just want to know What's what the, the answer solution? is. Yeah, how do we Give it me. This? Tell me what the solution is. Usually money. Um, but that's why I work harder. So yes, you can get burnt out. 
But again, there was no weekly that we re- released on Sunday. We didn't release a weekly this Sunday, which we've done one for 77 weeks. Why didn't I release a weekly? Didn't feel right. So my body didn't feel right. Things in the office didn't feel right. So I made the decision just to stop, relax, and we're back again this week. Um, so yes, you can get burnt, burnt out, you can get stressed out, and you can get many health problems, but I do think you can counteract most of them. The health issues, you can look after yourself to a certain extent. What's yeah. going to happen is going to happen. But I, I believe that you can mitigate everything with just common sense. And how important is health to you? A whole different level. Do you think you can, you know, for people out there who are like chasing money, chasing dreams, but they're not eating right, they're not exercising, they're not looking after themselves, you know, a bit counterproductive, what are your thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, so um, I know this inside out because I've had a few health issues. Um, yeah, now I've had a son. My Isabella was enough for me because I always was worried about certain things for me with Isabella. Now I have Isabella and my son. It is a whole different thing. And I have tried to make changes, which is very difficult to do. It's mm-hmm. very, very difficult to do. Um, but I think about it more and more and more. Every single day now, it's on my mind constantly. Um, but changing it is, is not easy. It's a lifelong it's, habit, some things will be, right? Yeah, it's for chocolate. Chocolate's my... my I, I'm obsessed with chocolate. And it's Everybody biochemical knows that. as well. Like, some of it is, yeah, your mental addiction, whatever you want to call it. But some of it is actually the serotonin it gives you. It's a dopamine hit. Yeah. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah. Full stop. Like... If I have two days where I have no chocolate and I've tried my hardest, I start getting headaches and stuff. Well, this is where the biochem... This is almost like a drug and it can be. Well, it is. It's a drug, isn't it? Sugar, sugar is a drug as well. Probably the sense. worst drug in the world. It can, it's one of the worst. Sugar, yeah. sugar in, within it can be, right? Yep. And breaking those habits is very, very difficult. But I suppose, you know, they say something like, if you don't change, it's because you don't want to change hard enough. It's because your reason to change isn't strong enough. Yep. But with a son, I assume that the reason is strong enough for yes. this. And I'm it trying my hardest to change all of my habits. I won't um, buy you any chocolates. And I got you Indian sweets last time. Yes, Just, full of sugar. Uh, yes, they weren't the low sugar ones. Who yep. wants to eat low sugar Indian sweets? Exactly, because it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it's that dopamine hit. Yeah, it literally <laughs> is. What is something that people misunderstand about you when they first meet you or see you? Um, they probably think I am very arrogant um, or cocky from social media. And then as soon as they come in a room and they spend 20 seconds with me, they're like, oh, shit, that, we misinterpreted that. That's not him. He's actually a really nice person. Um, yep. Social media has this effect. You put someone in a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, standing outside a million pound house and you know, flashing everything they own, you can misinterpret it because you want to misinterpret it. I see Conor McGregor post a picture of a Lamborghini yacht. Wicked. I am gassed. I am like, oh my God, that is unbelievable. Friend of mine buys a new car. I am the first person that goes, that is unbelievable. What a car. Steve, you drive a Lamborghini. So, look at that car he's got there. That's his second car, third car. Look where he is. Um, social media can kill every, everything. People have already made an assumption on oh, you before yeah. they meet you. Um, so yeah, so when people actually come in and meet me and they speak to me and they get around me, they're like... He's cool. I like him. I can see that. I can see, and I don't mean this in a rude way, I can see why they would think of course, that. Yeah. Because I of see. the wealth. Simple yeah. as that. And then I can see, and also from, you know, you showed me some of your DMs and like, you were so nice, gave your personal number out, like all this kind of stuff that if I saw your profile as a newbie, I wouldn't think that's the back end. I wouldn't even think I'd get a response. Like, that is my perception though, right? And on that, you love cars. 
they feature in a lot of your videos. You get a new one every, you know, few months. How, like, why are the cars in the videos from your end? And do you get hate for it? Like, people literally being like, dickhead. Yeah, so, the cars are in my videos because they're my cars. So, that's my life. That's my car. That's like saying, why is, why is my Isabella, who's absolutely stunning, like, have you hired her to put in your videos? Like, no, that's my partner. So, like, my cars are my cars. It's the same thing. Um, my car's there to inspire. I'm from a council estate. My first car was a, a, a Vauxhall Corsa, a white one, 1.2, um, three-door. That ended up nearly going down an embankment into a river. Um, but that's a whole different, <laughs> that's a whole different Stephen. <laughs> that, was, that was the I Stephen. That, 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 that Stephen's dead now. He doesn't exist anymore. Um, because you wouldn't crash your current white three-door into, <laughs> into yes. an embankment. Um, but no, like, I am super proud of what I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at my video, you look at my Instagram, you meet me in the street and you come over and you take offence to what car I drive, you're the problem. Yep, not me. 100%. I'm not here to rub it in your face. I don't open my windows and bib the <laughs> on and say, look at what I've got. I, someone, someone says to me, Steve, can I sit in your car? Of course you can. Yeah. Steve, can you, can, can you show me the car? Can you show... Because I'm hoping that one day you say, oh, you know something, see, I bought this car because of you. You let me sit in it when, not you, but because you could probably buy one. But when, well, you can buy one, I know that. When you sat in, when, like, we went to, I'll tell you what we did. We went to Lamborghini the other day, um, literally before I picked this new one up. And I went to buy a different one. And when we come out, there was two young lads photographing the cars. Um, I don't know how old they was, guys. How old was they, roughly? Um, 16 how old are they okay so I'll cut that bit there 16, 17 years old um, and they were taking photos so I opened my window because they come over taking pictures and it was like we saw your car on the Yanomise page I think it was oh, um, from the yeah, gender yeah. reveal and I was like yeah and he, I was like, like I actually said to him do you like obviously Lamborghinis are your cars like, oh yeah 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 I love the Aventador that was his favourite car um, I'd actually been into buying a Ventador. Yeah, I remember you saying, and yeah. they had it in the showroom. And I said, "There's one in the showroom. Have you been in to see it?" And there's like, "Nah, we we haven't been in," because you could see clearly that they was too scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I jumped out of the car. I took them back into the showroom. I showed them the new Urus before I bought it. I showed them the Aventador, Bentley GTC, the Bentayga. There's a couple of other things that was really cool. They come out on cloud nine. They messaged me on the night time saying, what you've done is amazing. We've told my mom, I've told my dad, I'm upgrading my camera because I feel I can get better shots if I don't use my iPhone. Duna, I haven't talked to you about this because they actually said what camera was, um, well, I don't think Duna was there, I think it's Phil. What camera was your team using? That's a 16-year-old lad who has just gone and sat in a Lamborghini Aventador, which he didn't, couldn't get into the dealership because... He said that he just felt awkward walking in. Um, they would have let him in. Um, and then he went home to buy a different camera so he can get different shots. How do we know that that 16-year-old lad now is not going to turn out to be the next Duna? Yeah. yeah. How, do we not, how do we know? Just by me doing something for five minutes of my time. So, and, and, and you're busy. You, you didn't have to do that. No. You, no one would expect it. But I would have liked someone to have done it for me. Yeah. And I think that's really important. It's, it's having empathy is one thing, but when you've actually been through it, to see it in others, like the person who helped you, you know, when you were 23 and, and that, 
they see themselves in you and you're, you're giving them something that you didn't have, right? Which, which makes total sense. Yeah. So, Steve, we've reached the, the end of the podcast. Has it gone that quick already? It has. Wow. You and I could speak for hours about yes. all sorts of stuff. But I really hope that this has given people an insight into you as a person because if they want to see your property stuff, there'll be links. They can go follow it. There's so much content out there. They can go see the cars. That's my favorite bit. More car videos, please. Um, but I wanted people to get to know you, the person behind you know, TPC, the person behind all of this, and of course, your incredible team. So thank you so much for, for coming You're on. You're welcome. Thanks to your team for the SD card because I did a typical uh, videographer type mistake and forgot my SD cards. Um, so yeah, Steve, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Make sure you like, subscribe, and go follow Steve as well.